a reading from the book of Philippians. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those, excuse me, for those who are visiting, uh, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, I didn't... I didn't share this in my introduction in the first service, but I want to honor you um, by honoring my own heart. I've been crying off and on. I thought I'd get through this morning without being emotional the way I am, but my dad's been in and out of ICU the last several days and uh, just had emergency surgery yesterday, and it's been tough. And so maybe you can relate. Maybe you're walking in with something heavy. You're praying for someone fervently. And so um, with that, I'd like to pray for me and pray for us wherever we find ourselves as we look to God's word together. So dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. God, center our hearts on you, our hope on you. We pray for those who are suffering that we love today, maybe some even here. Would you tend to us? Would you be our good shepherd and their good shepherd? And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one fellowship, let me ask this question. Have you ever experienced the power of the empty pot? Have you ever experienced the power of the empty pot? Allow me to explain. First, there's a children's book or story called The Empty Pot. And in this book or Chinese folktale, there's an emperor who needs to choose his heir, someone who will inherit his entire kingdom. So the emperor gives all of the children in his kingdom a seed one day. And he tells them, whoever can show me their best in a year's time will inherit my entire kingdom. 
And at the center of this story is a young boy named Ping. Now, at the time, Ping was a talented gardener. So the boy was confident he could grow the most beautiful flower in uh, the pot. Thus, Ping planted his seed. He watered it. He tended to it and uh, waited on the seed to grow. Day after day, however, nothing blossomed. The boy, of course, became worried. So he planted the seed in a much larger pot with richer soil. And another month passed, and another month passed, and finally a whole year passed, and still nothing grew. Nothing happened in Ping's pot. So Ping became ashamed of his empty pot. He was afraid that the other kids would mock him because he couldn't grow a flower in his pot. Yet the time finally came for Ping and the other kids to make their way back to the palace to stand before the emperor. And that's what he did. So when he finally arrived, Ping looked around and to his shock and embarrassment, every other kid at the palace had a flower in their pot. Everyone else but Ping And he stood there feeling all alone with his empty pot. When it finally became Ping's turn to stand before the emperor, the boy moved forward and understandably dropped his head in shame. Again, he thought of the laughter that would ensue or even the punishment that might be doled out by the emperor. So he stood there with his empty pot and the emperor said, why did you come to me and stand before me with an empty pot? To which the boy started to cry and he replied, I tried everything I knew to do to make it grow. All of my efforts, still nothing grew. So today I bring to you an empty pot. It's the best I could do. When the emperor heard these words, to the surprise of everyone there, a big smile spread across his face and he put his arm around Ping. Next, looking at the other kids, he said, where you got your seeds from, I do not know for the seeds I gave you all had been cooked. So it was impossible for any of them to grow. And from there, the emperor turned to Ping, put his arm around him and said, you have the courage to come to me with an empty pot. Now you will be my heir and I will give you my entire kingdom. The power of the empty pot. The power of humility and courageous vulnerability. Friends in life, have you ever experienced the power of the empty pot? Have you ever come face to face, Rowan, with your own limitations, Adelaide with your own frailties, friends with your own humanity, if you will, where you thought or said, I'm not enough. What I bring is not enough. Have you ever come to that place where all you can bring is an empty pot? Might I suggest this morning that in God's economy, coming to that place, coming to the place of the empty pot is not a curse, but a gift from God. Might I suggest this morning that in God's economy, there's power in humility and courageous vulnerability. As we continue our series in the book of Philippians, we'll see this powerful truth play out in our passage today. And with that introduction, allow me to share our big idea from Philippians 3. Friends, our worth is found not in pleasing or achieving, but in receiving the unrivaled grace of Jesus. Friends, our worth is found not in pleasing or achieving, but in receiving the unrivaled grace of Jesus. And we'll unpack this big idea through three points. Point one, our worth is found not in pleasing. 
Point two, our worth is found not in achieving. And point three, our worth is found in receiving the unrivaled grace of Jesus Christ. So point one, our worth is found not in pleasing. Starting with verse one of chapter three in the book of Philippians, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. And then he brings the heat. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Three times, three times Paul issues warning to his friends, this church of Philippi, about people who would seek to steal their joy and security in Jesus. And he brings the heat, right? Watch out, Didi. Watch out for those people who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh we read. So who and what is Paul talking about here, right? Well, in Paul's day, to provide some color here, in Paul's day, there were people going around telling young believers they had to do certain things in order to be saved and prove their worth in God's eyes. Specifically, in Paul's day, there was a group called Judaizers who were teaching that Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people or outsiders, which included most of the Philippians, by the way, they had to first become Jewish in faith and practice before being welcomed into the church, into the family. In this mind, you would have included not only obeying all the Mosaic law, anyone know how many commandments were in the Mosaic law? 613 commandments. It's a lot of commandments, Brandon. So they were saying, you not only have to obey this, you also, all of the males that want to convert first have to be circumcised, no matter your age. <laughs> That's quite the prerequisite, right? So you want to follow Jesus. Follow these rules first. Prove yourself. So you want to be part of the family. Have this surgery first. Become Jewish then you'll be welcomed into the family. Talk about hurdles and barriers and qualifiers to God's grace, right? And against these demands, this legalism, the old wise shepherd of the faith known as the Apostle Paul said, watch out. Watch out for these evildoers. Watch out for those people, those folk who try to put prerequisites on God's grace. One fellowship, the old man was fired up. He was fired up. We don't want to miss it. This legalism, this religiosity doesn't belong in the church, Paul said. And so it was then, and so it is now. Listen, church, we cannot padlock the gospel. The church cannot padlock God's grace. Listen, grace by its very definition means unmerited or undeserved favor. So we must allow others and ourselves to come to Jesus right where we are and right where they are right, right when we're all ready to come. Does that make sense? And bridging this to our context, while I, I don't think any of you have approached me ever, it has yet to happen, and said, hey, Paul, what about putting, what about putting together a circum, circumcision class here at One Fellowship? That would be an awkward conversation. That has not happened. But listen, we've all surely encountered conversations with people that, where, where we hear prerequisites placed upon God's grace, right? Some of these are spoken or unspoken. For instance, you must look a certain way or dress a certain way to be part of the family. 
You must talk a certain way or been brought up a certain way to be a part of the family. You must have your act together to be welcomed into the family. Any of those sound familiar? How about a couple more with a little more bite? You must align with this political persuasion or this leader to be a part of the family. You must sympathize with this cause or back this group's message, especially on social media, to be a follower of Jesus. Friends, have you ever felt the pull to please to be a legit follower of Jesus? Have you? Paul would say, watch out. Watch out, church. Have you ever felt pressure to choose a side or take a stand publicly to prove your legitimacy as a follower of Jesus? Paul would say, watch out. Or have you ever felt a sense of pride to, to somehow guard the gospel from unfit outsiders? Paul would say, friends, watch out. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Listen, we put no confidence, zero confidence in human effort. All Jesus, not us. Zero confidence in what we bring to the table, the empty pot. This leads us to point two. Our worth is found not in achieving. Do we have any coders in the room? Give me a nod. Any computer techies? Any gamers in the room? Anyone play online games? Yeah, we got some. Listen, his name is Marcus Person. And after creating the online game Minecraft, anyone know this game? He sold the game and its parent company to Microsoft for $2.5 billion, billion, not million, Gerald, billion dollars in 2014. That's a lot of money. And with that pile of money in newborn fame, person aimed to live his best life. The coder consequently threw parties with famous DJs and celebrities. He went on to buy a house for $70 million, 23,000 square foot home in the hills of Beverly Hills, reportedly outbidding these people known as Jay-Z and Beyonce. He bought the most expensive, the most expensive uh, apartment in Stockholm near the town in which he grew up. And he traveled the world whenever and however he pleased. Still, listen, despite all of this wealth, achievement, and fame, Person tweeted this less than a year after he sold Minecraft and his company for $2.5 billion. Quote, the problem with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying. And human interaction becomes impossible due to imbalance. Hanging out in Ibiza, that's a Spanish island in the Mediterranean, hanging out in Ibiza with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want, and I've never felt more isolated. What an admission, right? I've never felt more isolated. Church, in the words of Pastor Francis Chan, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Let that land for us here in beautiful Charleston. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Have you ever stopped and considered that, that the life you're building or want to build or the life the, the world is pitching or selling is actually empty? You ever thought of that? Returning to our passage, Paul himself wrote a powerful reflection on this very point. The passage continues, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised 
When I was eight years old, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strict disobedience to the Jewish law. I was zealous that I, har- I was so zealous, excuse me, that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He goes on. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them what? Worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. In other words, friends, Paul is saying he was a Jewish all-star coming from the right family, the right tribe, having the right pedigree, the right education, having the right resume. And guess what? It meant absolutely nothing compared to knowing Jesus for Paul. Absolutely nothing. In fact, Paul uses a inappropriate word in our passage. Sorry, parents. It's absolutely true. He uses a vulgar word for the first century. Paul says his achievements, he counts as sanitized version, garbage. And this can be translated excrement, dung, manure, rubbish, or kitchen straps, or some other word. You get the point. He's like, none of these compare to knowing Jesus. Achievement, even in the religious sense, brings little value, according to the apostle. This leads us to point three. Our worth is found in receiving the unrivaled grace of Jesus Christ. We go on to read, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became, excuse me, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. There's a lot there, friends. And we could unpack a lot of theological points. Some of you, I had someone new to our church saying, my old church, uh, the preacher was hour, hour and 15 in the pulpit. We don't do that here. But there are two points that I'd like to point out as we look at these closing verses. The first is this. Friends, our spiritual journey starts with grace. Remember the empty pot? It starts with grace and it's forever secured by grace. It starts with grace and it's secured by grace, the grace of Jesus. Just look at this. When we read, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. This can literally be translated, catch this. I become righteous through the faithfulness of Christ. The faithfulness of Christ. In other words, the emphasis is on the work of Jesus, not us. Totally the work of Jesus, not our works. And for the lay theologians in the room, this is where we get this theory of justification by faith through Christ. His righteousness, not our own. It's more than enough. And friends, this is a really big deal. If we stop, pause, reflect on this, this is a really big deal. It means all who follow Jesus, listen, can take a deep breath. Let's do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, take a deep breath. We can live this life in freedom and joy, no matter who we are and what we're gonna face. Freedom and joy, not fear and exhaustion. How does that sound to you today? 
Could anyone use some freedom and joy today, Dan? No more measuring up, no more proving your worth, no more fear of rejection. Listen, in Jesus, through his grace, you're secure in God's love. Jesus' grace is big enough to take you, shape you, and keep you in the Father's love. It is. Our faith journeys all start with the empty pot with grace and are forever secured by grace. The faithfulness of Jesus is what he's saying here. And this leads to the last little bit I wanna highlight from our text. And I love this. Paul says, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. We can't just gloss over this. I want to know Christ in a personal way and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Pull back with me for a second and look at our context here. Here's what Paul's really saying to us. Nothing, no person, no party, no human achievement, nothing can compare to the power that is ours in Jesus. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing can measure up to that power, friends. Nothing. And mind you, the old man Paul was sitting there writing these words from a, a Roman jail cell. And he was writing against Jewish elitists as well. It did not matter. For Paul, there was no rival, no rival. And this has great application for our day and age. Day and age, excuse me, I'm going so fast. There's no rival, not even the greatest empire in the world could compare to this power. Not even the purest bloodline could compare to this power. Not even the best resume could compare to the power that is ours in Jesus. Absolutely nothing compares to that power. And this is where Paul would have us find our worth, all of our worth, not just some of it, all of our worth and identity in Jesus, in his love, his grace, and his power today. So one fellowship, let me pick up my pot. Listen, whoever you are and wherever you are in life, here's the invitation and the charge. Bring your empty pot and lay it down. Bring your empty pot today and bring it and lay it down. Lay down your pleasing and achieving and find your worth totally in the unrivaled grace of Jesus. Would you be so bold and so humble it's to come with your empty pot today. Say, Jesus, here I am, all of me, forgive me, redeem me, love me, fill me. I am yours because you are mine. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his, what? Unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Listen, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. The empty pot. The empty pot. Our worth and our hope is found in Christ alone, church. Amen? Let's bring him our empty pots. Please pray with me. Lord, we, we invite you to search us and to know us, all of our bends towards achievement and pleasing and all the other dances we do. God, would you love us right where we are? Strip back those things that are distractions, even those worries. May we be able to breathe today 
knowing you love us right where we are. Your grace is enough to not only bring us, but to keep us in the Father's love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We pray all this in uh, Jesus' name. Amen.